0: a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. This is MANA. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode of MANA, podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. I'm your host, Jeff Peterson. Now, none of the guys that you're going to meet on this podcast would consider themselves to be extraordinary, but it's their humble, holy way of living that makes them extra to me and I I'm excited for you to meet them uh, now while it doesn't sound like an overly manly read i think i've talked about a book uh, called the five love languages on this show before uh, but for those that haven't read it it, it presents the five primary ways people pr- prefer to receive love okay from acts of service to physical touch gifts quality time and then words of affirmation and anyone who knows me knows that I am an insufferable words of affirmation guy. I mean, it wears me out. Okay. And for for that I apologize to all of you out there listening who know me. It's by far the most exhausting of all love languages because all of you are constantly having to cheerlead for all of us, all of us affirmation seekers. We are so needy and it'd just be so much easier for all of you if you could just, you know, buy us a beer or bagels or snowblow our driveway or Give us an awkward bro hug and just be done with it, right? Affirming others is hard work, unless you are today's guest. Because today's guest not only has a gift of always knowing just the right thing to say, but <clears throat> his very choices, uh, his, his actions, his reactions, and just his overall life example that he sets for guys, lucky enough to be in his orbit, is in itself Affirming. So he doesn't even really have to think about doing it. We just have to pay attention to it. And I don't set a lot of scripture on this show, but First uh, but Thessalonians uh, 5 does say, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. And that's our guest. He does it by just doing. Okay. Uh, now, he, he and I met uh, years ago under the auspice of work. Uh, which coincidentally, as I looked at this, it was the same year that that Five Languages book was published. It was not issued to us at work. There's absolutely no connection there. It was just a little fun fact. Um, But anyway, our relationship quickly transcended packaged goods back in the day into areas uh, as trivial, as trivial pursuit, uh, and as foundational as family, Um, and the evolving stages that we men and husbands and dads just go through, one cup of coffee at a time, just a few times a year, uh, and you've kind of got your dose of affirmation to get you through whatever season. I mean, our guest today is like a human golf lesson. You know, it's just like a little swing correction can last you for months, and I'm very blessed to know him. Well, it doesn't define him, he's a remarkably creative brand builder and marketer by day, uh, but by the most important accounts, he's a devoted husband and father of three very lucky sons, uh, and an unofficial uh, life swing coach for a lot of guys like me out there. So please welcome today's manna man Mr. Jeff Naughton. Hey, Jeff. Good morning. What a treat to be here, man. Well, I really appreciate you making the trek out here to the luxurious Mana studios and he brought bagels so there's a first here at Mana. we've we've never had a breakfast manna here so All this right. is kind of fun kind i love it breaking new ground hey uh like i said over we met over 30 years ago uh we're just going to jump right into it and kind of made some immediate uh, connections through just interests and just overall, you know, friends that we had, you know, at work. But one of them also was our upbringing. So we both grew up in smaller towns. I actually, Hibbing, Minnesota's actually would be considered more of a suburb for all of us in Annandale. So Hibbing was kind of a big, small town. But I kind of want to start there. Let's go all the way back to, to growing up in, in that. How do you feel like... The influence of growing up in a in kind of that smaller type of community uh, with family and friends how how foundational right. do you think that was to, to to now the big city guy that you've become <laughs> yeah yeah probably a lot is the answer
1: I am super proud of where I'm from I think when I was being you know raised up there in the 60s and 70s it was incredible we only knew what we knew but we just had a great um, Support network of my my parents and my my siblings, of course, and all of their friends. Uh, everyone kind of lived the same life, and um, you know, all the parents parented all the kids because we were out running around and on our bikes all day mm-hmm. with no rules, basically. Yeah. Um. I think it. I bring a lot of that with me. I didn't know that at the time, uh, it, it, but it was. um Oh yeah, sure. A lot of that is ingrained with. Within me, I talk about growing up at Hibbing all the time, mm-hmm. and I think some of my friends who are from bigger cities, like say Chicago or or somewhere else, who were raised, don't quite understand why I keep talking about it. Yeah, but um, but I'm I'm very proud of it, and it's it's a big part of my DNA. And my siblings would say the same thing.
0: Yeah, raising raising kids in more of a metro kind of area, you know, with whether it was schools or sports you know and 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 not that there isn't stress there's stress everywhere small towns big towns whatever but but going through and being a parent uh, in in a in a bigger kind of area did you feel was there more tension for you because you had that frame of reference of growing up in you know giving yeah. versus and and how like how did you how did you manage that
1: yeah, I, I mean, I purposely came to uh, to settle in a city because I thought it would offer some advantages to my kids in these years. I think the world has changed. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was a choice on my part. But yeah, it a combination of living in a city and the fact that it's 40 years down the line, the world is, there's a lot of things that have changed. Yeah. And um, the demands as parents all the driving we did and all the things we enrolled them in. I mean, I, I, we both really believed in exposure and, you know, they love sports and they, we, they didn't love piano, but we made them do piano. (laughs) A couple of them did scouts and we just ran all over the place with exposure and tried to see what would stick because in the end it was going to be their choice, not ours. Um, No, I think it, I think, I'm sure though that raising kids up in Hibbing, Minnesota in the year 2000 was probably a challenge as well, because I think the world had changed. But there is, there's more opportunity in a big city and there's also maybe more ways to get in trouble. And I had three boys and we saw a little bit of that. (laughs) Not, not not that much, but just enough to um, remind us we had a job to do as parents. Yeah.
0: When you think back to your own upbringing, who were some of the, because we talk a lot about role models and especially men. Yeah, who have you know shaped us as men? You know, when you think back to growing up in Hibbing, who were some of the guys that that come to mind as people who were foundational for you? And then, and then also two part question: as you think of then your boys growing up in a different kind of environment, and you don't just say who those their role models were, but do you imagine were they the same types of roles or, team, or same types of guys that also were were helping shape? Um, the kind of the character and the path of your of your own sons.
1: Well, I mean, certainly, you know, and I and I my boys and I they know they know the lesson. I I I still say it. You know, um, surround yourself with good people. Spend your time with people who you admire, what they're doing, and how they handle themselves. Yeah. And I think um, my parents were two of those kind of people. No question. Yeah. I was super lucky, and their friends also did a lot of good, you know, they handled themselves well, even if it was, um, you know, because you're learning and you're getting exposure constantly. Yeah. And so my dad's buddies and my parents' friends, um, they had a lot of fun, but they, they did a lot of good things and they lived a good life and that, those were some basics that I took away from me, yeah. uh, you know, from my youth. And uh, we, we tried as best we could to do the same thing for our kids mm-hmm. and I think we were really lucky. That we met a lot of families, uh, ended up in our case through the choice of going to St. Bart's and Wysetta and Vanilla yeah. St. Margaret's. We met all these families that all of us got exposure to. I think it helped Terry and me both. I think it helped our kids. Mm-hmm. And those are the people just kind of happened. I couldn't articulate really why. Yeah. They're the ones we spend
0: our time with. Yeah. I think there is something to that balance, though, uh, uh, not though, but uh, the balance for, for kids to see parents who are. Are setting good examples and also like having fun. Like they have social lives, they have friends. Right. That you know, and so there's not this this sort of like <clears throat> um, polarity of like, well, you can either be a good parent and have no fun, and you know, or you, you're or it's just like a circus, you know. And I think I think it's cool for for kids to see their parents actually. Oh, they're like they're like real people. You know, they like going out and they like going to concerts and they've got funny friends and you know, right. Yeah, I mean it's human. It's mm-hmm. it's human. Yeah, yeah, I I can't um,
1: I can't live, uh, nor can I be around people that are um, project perfect, you know, a perfect day or holiness all the time. You I know, mean, real people have a variety of interests, and you know, while they're doing something, you, you know, trying to do something good for themselves, their community, or good exposure, they also, you know, we're human. They, you say stupid things once in a while. You you make a, you make a <laughs> totally, wrong term yeah. once in a while. And I think you know we all do it, no matter how people want to project themselves. And you have to. Um, it's just, it doesn't taint, uh, really, the higher order of a person if if you've had to, you've experienced all these other things that they do, and then they did that thing that you may not agree with, or that something slipped out at a at a party when they had one too yeah. many cocktails. It's called being human, and and uh, it's
0: relatable. Totally. You know, yeah. and yep. it's fine. Exactly. You bring up um, Benilde with, with yeah. your kids. What was, um, uh, which is a great school, a lot, a lot of faith, a lot of faith tradition and kind of training there. What was church like for you growing up, up up in Hibbing? Was was religion and faith a big part of the Naughton family growing up? That's a good question.
1: You know, one of the things that drew Terry and I together was, one of the things we had in common was we, both of our parents, uh, we had two faiths in, in each household, like, mm dad was Catholic, my mom was Presbyterian. And so they agreed to, I think as part of their marriage, um, I think they got married in front of the Justice of the Peace though, actually, when my dad was in the Navy out in Long Beach. Mm. But uh, the agreement was that we'd be raised Catholic. And we went to public school. There was a Catholic elementary school there. But uh, I think when I talked to my mom at one point, she said, well, I wasn't so sure that I wanted you to go to a Catholic school. We agreed to allow you to be have you raised Catholic? But mm-hmm. I wasn't so sure about that line, so we went to public school the whole way. Terry's family, the same. Um, one one parent was Presbyterian, one parent was Catholic. So, mm-hmm. you know, in my case, we didn't have Catholicism in the house like a lot of my friends, Catholic mm-hmm. friends, that I have now did. But we did have, um, you know, certainly f- faith in general uh, was a big part of it, but. Yeah my dad took us to church and then my mom went to her church and we kind of regrouped. So we kind of thought that when when we got married, we wanted to be of the same faith. We, mm-hmm. we struggled with where we were with our Catholic faith and we considered changing it actually before we got married. But we had a fantastic priest that we were talking to in the six months prior to when we got married. And he, I asked him a whole bunch of Tough questions, you know, mm-hmm. I, I was uh, like a 29-year-old know-it-all. You know? <laughs> I had strong, well, what about this, and what about yeah, that? And yeah. he had these beautiful answers yeah. for me, and it took a step back, and we said, well, it would be kind of, we don't even know if we were to change, we don't even know what we would change to, yeah. so maybe it's better to to stick with who we are, and yeah. we got married to Catholic Church, and if we want to consider that later, we, we will, but in the end, we didn't, because he kind of set us on the right track, yeah. and then we followed down that pathway. And it has been a good choice for us too, because I'm the only one in my family who's still Catholic. My siblings have all changed their hmm. uh, their uh, their church to their spouses. Oh, okay, and so I don't know. We feel good about that. That was yeah. a good a good choice for us. Yeah,
0: I, <clears throat> I, I giggle a little bit when you uh, share the story of you sitting down with the and Betsy's dad. Had a very similar experience uh, when he and, and uh, Mrs. Wayman were um, uh, engaged and, and you know, trying to figure out the kind of thing. And he had almost a, like the exact same story. He sat down and the said, "All right, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to sit here until I hear something I don't agree with." And he said, "He said then I'm out of here." And he made it through the whole meeting. <laughs> By the end wow. of it, he was like, well, "All right, let's do it." Wow. So, and you know, the, in the in the first church and in, in the sustaining church is family. You know, the, 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 that's that's where the most important, you know, to use a, a technical word, that's the most important catechesis happens with with uh, with the family, and 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 that's the experience that you and and, and Terry kind of created for your boys. So,
1: well, and it's also, you know, you can choose to be the the person communicating, you know, uh, a religious backdrop to you. You can you can be inclusive, or you can. You, you can mm-hmm. choose not to be you yeah. can you can focus on all the things that um, that that person is not doing you can focus on what they are doing and I think you know my my general belief is be inclusive and invite mm-hmm. in and um, and find your way because getting started is really hard you know and um and I would imagine most people in any religion there's various degrees of in involvement, engagement, or various things that they that they like more about a particular uh, faith or religion, and they're better at. But I think if you're going to grow in something, you got to be in the door. You can't mm-hmm. do it from
0: yeah.
1: from way outside. So I would rather have people be in and have them have a chance at yeah. something. Um, I think that's the smarter, yeah. smarter. Approach. No, I
0: love. Yeah, I love that. And and I also I also think. You know when we talk about all these distinctions between you know Presbyterian and Catholic or whatever, it, I think sometimes we are, and maybe it's human nature here, where we we we're gra- we gravitate towards those vertical, that's kind of lanes. You know, like our, our human tendency is to like like pick a side or pick a pick, a, and it, which strikes me as being a very vertical orientation. You know, versus horizontal, which cuts across. All those verticals, you know, so things like just inclusivity, like you said, inclusion, you know, love and charity. I mean, those are horizontal actions and values that cut across all the vertical things, you know. And I just think having that operating starting there (laughs) instead of starting with the up and down, you know. Well, things in common. Yeah, you know, um, is a unifier. Yeah, and uh, again,
1: it's a choice. It's a choice at how you look at any scenario, any person, any 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 club. Um, yeah. and I don't know why you would. I don't see many too many benefits to not start from that point. I think yeah. it just makes a lot more sense. And then the more information you learn, you can you can make choices that are. It's like an informed choice. Yeah, but uh, no, I think that's a that's a value that i appreciate i and and you you notice it in people mm. religion aside you notice i really can see without trying too hard people that have a natural bent for inclusion and i admire that and yeah. i and i really take
0: note of that yeah. uh,
1: i think it's a it's a great way to go.
0: Yeah. Another choice that I remember you making long time ago before it was nearly as popular as it is today, but I remember you as a, uh, as a back then younger dad, yeah. but I wasn't a dad at all. And, um, but I remember both of us uh, without naming any names working at a very traditional in a very traditional kind of corporate environment where there's a lot of, you know, competition of who's going to get this job, who's going to promote it. And I remember you making a choice, and I admired it back then. But it, and now today, for listeners, you're going to be like, really? Like, that was a big deal? But it was a very big deal back in the, you know, early 90s where you're like, you know what? I got a family. I'm going home. Like, I'm done. Like, I'm done. This day is, like, this, this my work does not define me. And I'm now... I'm I'm going home and I just remember thinking that is so cool but it was back in the time that it was a courageous it was a courageous choice how like did you how hard was that or or was that just like no this is there's I'd never had any you know um uh not aversion to it but didn't didn't even think twice about it was it always just something that you were wired to make those that kind of a choice no, I mean
1: I did think twice about it yeah. I really felt like I had no choice though Uh, I mean, we had, uh, Tara and I both had careers, we both had commitments, and we kind of figured out how to, uh, what our choice was going to be in in being responsible. I wasn't going to shortchange my kids. Um, I wasn't going to shortchange her. You know, we generally in those days, we we both some days started early and stayed late. And so, but day to day, we had daycare, you know, that started at, you know, I suppose you could drop your kid off at. 7 or 7 one would take that and by the time you have more than one kid you might be stopping at more than one place mm-hmm. and then at the end of the day if she did the front side a typical day meant someone had to go and there yes. were days that we missed and we and they're like ready to kick us out so you know you learn you have to do this yeah. um yeah so it wasn't it wasn't a, a choice made out of um I It was really just something I had to do yeah. and I had
0: to live with. The it wasn't cons- some virtuous kind no. of a thing. It's like this I had is to live with the consequences. You, know,
1: you know, know, the other thing I thought about it, though, yeah. in those years was like, you know, this is what being an adult is really all about. Yeah. I have to make a choice based on me and my family because that's number one. Yeah. And and let the chips, you know, fall where they may. Um, a lot of the days I, I told, we've talked about our boys because they're, you know David is married now, and they'll have kids soon. And you know he's seeing that struggle. He and his wife both work at Medtronic, and they have challenging jobs. And yeah. there's now they're starting to see what we lived a little bit, even in today's world of remote work. And I said a lot of those days I left. A lot of those nights that you're remembering, I left <clears throat> at five thirty to pick up a kid by six because that was my duty that day. I had to, but I would go home a lot of nights, and uh, we would. Feed the kids. I'd give them a bath, and then I'd go back to work at eight thirty mm-hmm. till eleven or midnight because there's stuff that I had to do. Yeah. But I wasn't gonna miss yeah. what my number one job was was, was my family.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, those were challenging times. It was it's hard on hard on families. Mm-hmm. All the expectations and all the things you want to pursue in your life, including a successful career, being respected, you know, at work, yeah. and and I suppose being recognized. You know, for that as well. It's
0: very challenging, but yeah. there's choices. Yeah. There's choices yeah. to be made. You know, as the boys got older, you know, because uh, we do talk on Manna here about guys and, and raising guys and being guys. And so, as as the boys got older, how and like in, in the intro, you know, I said you've you you do have just a wonderful way of of expressing your values and your um, uh, influence just by the way you live. And so like with friends, like, you know, I've, I've never felt like I'm ever sitting down getting like a lesson really from you. You know, it's just being with you. I just, I, I get, but as a dad, as the boys got older, how um, how conspicuous do you feel you were around like, okay, guys, here's how we do stuff. Like this is this is what it means to be you know, a good person, a good man, a good, you know, whatever. Or do you feel like it was just a very much like, no, you're making the choice to be around them, to model it. And, you know, and obviously it wasn't just you, Terry's there too. But I mean, as a, as a, as a male influence to young men growing up, how on purpose do you feel like you were with, with really helping them develop into the great Mm. men that they are?
1: Oh, you know, it was, um, I think that, um, walking the talk is the best thing you can do, Mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, hopefully if we did some things well day to day, you know, work hard, treat people well, um, be on time, all those kind of basic things, um, that they eventually saw that. I never wanted to be a micromanager. I mean, I, I think they knew, they knew what we stood for and so forth. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have flaws left and right and up and down, but, um, they didn't, And they didn't always bite on it, you know, the, the big message, when we wanted them to. Sometimes right. it took a while. And uh, in the end, I kind of thought that they had to go through to an extent. They had to, yes, there were family rules, but they had to go through it on their own and come to the understanding yeah. of why you would make that choice. They were all pretty strong-minded young guys, independent-minded to a degree, in the end, they're gonna, you know, chant. And I think I, I went through that. You know, you, you make mm-hmm. some mistakes, um, and then you realize, oh, oh that's what he meant. <laughs> and then, and then you get it because life has oftentimes a second chances, and then yeah. you redirect, and they, they take it upon themselves. I think, I think that's probably over time a better way to learn, is they've got to come to the realization themselves, and that's that exposure and the modeling thing, and obviously standards from. Me and Terry.
0: Yeah, yeah. Who do you go to? Like, who are the people in the present day for you that you get, you know, inspired by or just, or eh, doesn't have to be inspired.
1: Well, I have, I feel pretty lucky. I've found, I was just chatting about, the, I chat with my boys around this, about this once in a while. I chatted with one of one of the guy guy friends that I have. I've got about four friends, I would say, that I regularly will connect with. Mm-hmm. Come in from different parts of my life, and we might have a cup of coffee. I actually met one of them last night, wanted uh, wanted to go have a beer. We went to the Muni Waisetta, had one beer, one glass of water, no more. Mm-hmm. Chatted for an hour and a half. Um, there's about four guys. Again, this it's kind of a, a manna, falls into the manna umbrella a yeah. little bit. These are guys whose opinion I... I trust, and we're not like tackling, you know, monumental topics or anything like that, but we're just chatting, we're checking in our family, we'll bring up a topic that I think that I might like to hear their perspective on, and even if we're different politically, which one guy is probably similar to me, the two other guys would not be, we get a chance to talk, um, without offending each other yeah and and understand somebody else's point of view i really value that because mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of people out there that are a lot that i would consider friends but i really can't talk to that way because yeah. somehow it gets into a debate and that's really not my intent so mm-hmm. so those guys really it's my check-in you know it's yeah. like yeah. Oh, I guess I'm still sane. You know, or that maybe isn't so outrageous. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's a it's a safe kind of a safe zone for you know some conversations. Yeah.
0: Well, and I like how you say it. it. Doesn't always have to be like this big existential conversation either. You know, you're not right. necessarily tackling you know all of the world's biggest issues. It is just a it's a because I think and and that is like this uh, that is actually sort of a little bit of the premise of mana here, which is like. You know, the the, the the lessons or the um, examples of the inspiration can come out in more of the ordinary things. It doesn't always have to be some two by four hitting you over the head. Like, listen to this part. You know, it's like you can get it, you can pick it up from just the turn of a phrase or a shared story, an example of the story that you shared about sitting down with a priest. I mean, that's a connection that made, I made then back to Betsy's dad. And like, you know, those little things are the, yep. those, that's the connective tissue that I think kind of comes out in kind of the everyday so all right well hey we are already um we're already at the at the at the time uh, of the big show here we call it the fun segment where we ask uh, the same three questions of every guest and so i'll I'll let all of our listeners know that jeff was uh true to form very honest uh in our little pre-show prep here where he said uh Listen, I haven't listened to any of these shows before, and so I'm, I don't know if I'm prepared. So, so the first question is, uh, if Jesus knocked on your door uh, tomorrow morning and just wanted to hang out with you for the day, how are you going to just spend your day uh, with Jesus?
1: First thought that just came to mind, I would, I would take him... Uh uh, you know, first in my yard and out in my community. And I would show him all the beautiful things this world has to offer. Yeah. You know, the sky, the lakes, the green grass, the plants, the, the fresh air, uh, the people, you know, living in, you know, in some level of unison. Uh, that's because that's what I, you know, for the most part, I try to notice those things. Yeah. I try to notice the things that I see that are right rather than spending my time getting frustrated with the things that are wrong. Yeah. I think so. That's what it would be. Quite simply, that, and uh, there'd be some key things we could do. You can come work out with me and do some push-ups <laughs> right. and pullups, and um, but that's really what it would be. It's kind of like you know, daily joy. You know, the yeah. the positivities. Because yeah. I think why wouldn't you lean in there yeah. if, if you're not if you're not trying to notice those things or you don't see those things? I think you're missing out. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I love that. Love it. Um, all right, fun segment. Question number two: yeah. uh, If you could uh, go to church with any other guy, living or dead, famous or not, you could you could know of him, know him personally or not. The only two rules are you're going to go to any church you want to. You can go to any church, uh, but you're going to church and you're gonna you're gonna. Bring another guy with you. Who are you bringing wow. uh, to church?
1: The pr- proof is in the pudding because I clearly was not expecting that, <laughs> that question. Otherwise, <laughs> <laughs> I would have prepped. Boy, um, well, I would say, a I, I, name doesn't come to my brain at the moment, but I would say that it would have to be a person who, um, whose strongest communications of his faith would be through his actions Mm. you know i'm a big believer in uh um you know actions are more important than words you know people who show up and do things Mm -hmm. um, when they're not even like on the list yeah and they just they show up and contribute and and those people tend to do it time and time again um i really admire that uh there is a uh, couple, I think he's still alive. Uh, this gentleman, John Doherty, he's probably 92, was one of my mom and dad's best friends. Um, they're the people that I can remember in my life. He and his wife would just show up. Yeah. And uh, when my dad was past, uh, in his final days, they showed up. There was a knock at the door I was at my parents' house in Hibbing. He showed up there with a, with a pot he makes the best pot roast in town his license plate (laughs) says pot roast (laughs) and no one invited him no one asked him and he showed up with a pot roast we sat down to dinner when my mom was in her final days down here he and his wife came down they just showed up and it really is impressive so that's cool i you know he might be that guy because he's an action guy and he's just a humble
0: man but he has demonstrated the value of that to me yeah. and I, and I've noticed. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. I love that. All right. Fun segment question number three, wrap us up here. If you could give, uh, if you could give just one piece of advice to a younger man, uh, just earlier, earlier in his life, teenager, whatever about just basically turning out like you, just mm-hmm. living a, 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 humble, holy, uh, everyday you know, life of, of faith and values and, 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 you know, kind of goodness, what would that one piece of advice be?
1: Well, I think, you know, you, again, you, you need to, you need to notice and find your, um, the people who are doing some of the, some things on a daily basis that you admire Mm -hmm. um, and seek seek out those people and spend more time with those type of people. Uh, Don't be afraid to um, bend to the masses uh, viewpoint of what you should do. I think um, be brave enough to notice and model and befriend. You know, some people who are doing some things that you go, oh, that's pretty cool. I've never really done that. I probably should do some of those things, but um, on my own, I'm probably never going to really do that, even though I admire it. Yeah. I think reach out and get to know those people and, yeah. and let, let yourself be influenced by that. And because, you know, roll down the pike 20, 30 years ago, you might be that guy to somebody else.
0: Yeah. You know? Cool.
1: So um, I think that has huge value again. And it's this whole action thing that yeah. I really believe in. Yeah. So be brave enough to give
0: something else a try that you see that has, you know, goodness in it. Yeah, no, I love that. And you have been, I can speak from personal experience, you have been that guy to uh, a lot of guys, including me. So uh, thank you so much, Jeff Naughton, for being here on Mana for the first breakfast mana that we've had, the bagels and all. It's great to spend this time thank with you. Thank you, I had a great time. Thank you for listening to Mana. If you have any questions or recommendations for future guests, send them to
1: manapodcast at gmail.com.